Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Satan is a liar and wants to fill us with fear so we won't trust God. On today's episode, we'll look at how we can overcome these fears and experience God's goodness through His will for us. Here is part two of Cheryl's message titled, The Will of the Lord is Good. There was no great rebellion or disobedience. Nothing, as I said, that anyone could see. It was so minute. And yet I knew it was there in my heart. I knew it. I shopped, I ate, I dated, and I had fun in my own opinion all apart from the will of God. You know, I thought God was against me having brownies. God didn't like me having Rice Krispie squares. That God would put me on a vegetable-only diet for the rest of my life. And that I could only, you know, I, I wasn't allowed to date, that that was evil. You know, I had gotten so mixed up. I believed the lies of Satan so badly. I did for myself what I felt God would not do or didn't want to do for me. I tried to be a self-blesser, a self-blesser. Like, God, I really want to watch Mary Poppins, but I know you're probably not into it. So um, I'll meet you after the theater, what, church, seven o'clock? We'll see each other then. I just was compartmentalizing my whole life. And you know what? It was all because I did not know how good, how thoroughly good and fun and delightful the will of God was and is. So frustration marked my life. My spiritual progress was limited. I was always insecure and in turmoil and fear until one day I was absolutely so frustrated with my own ways and my self-blessing was not working out. I gave everything to Jesus. I gave everything. I still remember where it was, when it was. It was at Twin Peaks. It was after a Bible study. It was at a college and career retreat. And when I gave Jesus everything, it wasn't like, I give you everything. For me, it was like, I give you everything. Please don't hurt me. Please be gentle. I give you everything. It was like that. It wasn't pleasant. And you know why? Because 
If I knew then what I know now, I would have been dancing. I would have had my arms raised going, I'll give you everything. But I cowered. I just was like, okay, go ahead. Take it. I was so ready for something terrible to come down on me. I, I, was, I remember at the time, you know, right after I, I, I gave God everything, this woman came up to me and said, God says that he has crowned you with a crown. She didn't even know what the transaction had just been. She's like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. And she's like, God saw your prayer. And he said, a crown of love is coming down on your head that will radiate. And I had a vision of you, and she gives me this vision, and she said, and God is going to give you the desires of your heart. And I was like, really? So I started trying to say every spiritual desire I had. And she's like, no, that's not what God says. She said, listen to me, before next summer, you're going to be married. And I was like, there's not even a boyfriend in sight. And the guy next to me, who was not good looking, no offense, I hope he doesn't remember this or hear this. He says to me, it's not me, it's not me. And I looked at him and I thought, if I can't even get that, what am I going to be married to? Having no idea that that December I would meet the man of my dreams. When I first met Brian, another girl came up and took his hand. I was so disappointed because we were having a good conversation and he was cute. She came up, she took his hands and she started like glaring at me. I was scared. And a couple weeks later he said, that was not my girlfriend. I just invited her to the study and she thought it was a date, but I made it clear it wasn't. And he kept trying to let go of her hand. And I thought they were playing hand games. I'm like, great. You know, all the cute ones are taken. You know what they say, excuse this, but in England there's a saying that dating is like a car lot. All the best spaces are taken and what's left are handicapped. Sorry. It's going to take a little while, but you'll get it. So, you know, this. And I, I remember, you know, when he first asked me out, he said, that girl was not my girlfriend. But I had said to the girls in the car, my girlfriends, I said, that's the guy... That's the type of guy I want to marry. I've met the only guy I've ever talked to that I thought I could be married to. And he's taken. So I am still the president of the Bachelorettes Tell the Rapture Club. Nobody else would join, but nevertheless, I was president. I had no idea of how good the will of the Lord was. I was terrified of what the ramifications of giving God everything. Where would he send me? Who would I marry? And what would I be required to do? But when I gave God everything, that moment God met me, as I said, with that prophetic word. And slowly, progressively, I began to realize that I had been lied to that I have been deceived, that the will of God is good, so, so good.
In Mark 1, 40 through 42, at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, when, it, when we're told that Jesus went forth with the good news, we have the account of the leper who comes to Jesus covered with leprosy and says, if you are willing, if it's in your will to make me clean, you can do it. It's all about your will. And this is the answer of Jesus. I am willing. Be clean. Here is the will of the Lord. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The will of Jesus is to cleanse, make whole, reconcile, and bless. That's good. And you can't get any better than that. I tell you this because I know that even as Satan lied to Eve and Satan lied to me, he still lies. And, and he's lied to some of you. And you've fallen for it. On the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus spoke to those who were listening because they were under the impression that the will of God was burdensome, was the keeping of the law, which was doing the rituals, which was the regulations and the sacrifices and bloody and violent and oppressive. Jesus knew how Satan had lied, deceived, and influenced the children of Israel and those he was speaking to. And so he told them in Matthew chapter 6 that God's will was to feed them bountifully and clothe them beautifully. And he said, your father, your heavenly father knows what you have need of. And he delights to give you those things. Your heavenly father knows and it is in his will to give you what you need emotionally mentally, physically, and socially. Your God knows. And God's will, God's will as the great I am is to meet and even exceed those needs and bless because of what Jesus has done by covering your sins, forgiving your sins, and reconciling you to God. So what is our problem? So what's your problem already? Our problem is that we do not know the goodness of the will of God. When God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, the Lord himself said, the Lord the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Here's the problem. Do you see the paradox here? God is good, but sin 
keeps you from God's goodness. So how can a good God bless sinful man? Because his justice, his holiness, his righteousness, the fact that he's good requires a payment for sin. It requires righteousness. And we have come so short of the righteous requirement to get the blessings, the comfort, the goodness of God. So what can be done to remedy this problem? How can an all good God punish sin and yet save, reconcile, and bless a sinner? This is God's great objective. This is his great desire. This is his will to reconcile creation back to himself, to do away with sin and perfect men that he might have fellowship with his daughters and sons and bless them and bless his whole creation. That's good. That's good. As believers, we need to see the ultimate good objective, the good things and desires of our God. This good will of God was what the angels announced at the birth of Jesus in Luke 2, 14, peace on earth and good will toward men. Through Jesus, we have God's best his good will, his true desire, his objective can be inaugurated and come to pass. Once again, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, the author of Hebrews contrasts the old covenant with the new covenant because his readers, like you, like me, did not realize how good the will of God was. They misguidedly thought that God's will consisted of following the law. This is what God wants. He wants me to obey rules. Or this is God's will. He wants me to offer sacrifices, to give up this and give up that, give up this and, and not have that. Or to be dutiful the duties of the priest. He wants my life with violence and gore. They did not realize that these things only foreshadow and pointed to the cost that was necessary to bring the good things to us. They thought that the law, the sacrifices, and the priestly duties was the end all. They thought that's what God wanted, but they did not realize that they were pointing to foreshadowing. They were not the image of the things. They were not a mere copy. They were not even an exact replica of the original. They were a shadow, a very dim, obscured reflection. Have you ever looked at your shadow? Your shadow has no details, does it? You can't see where your eye is in a shadow, can you? You can, and, and everything's kind of exaggerated. Ever notice that about your shadow? You're either longer or you're shorter, or your nose is bigger. 
or if you do weird things with your hands, it looks like animals. Your shadow is not the true reflection of you. It's a silhouette, but it doesn't have the details and it exaggerates so many things. So it was with the law and the sacrifice and the priestly duties. The law could never perfect, verse one, those who approached, could never complete them, could never make them whole, could never satiate, could never, could never satisfy the requirements of God. Why? Because no one could ever fulfill the law's demands. No one could ever do the law. The sacrifices, according to Hebrews 10, verses 2 through 4, could never purge sin, could never remove the guilt, the consciousness of past sins, because the fact that they were continually and yearly repeated showed that the sins of men were not removed, but only covered, only a temporary covering. And because it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to do away with sin. The priest could never, verse 11, even though he ministered daily and offered repeatedly the same sacrifices, ever remove or take away sins. Because the law, the sacrifice, and the priest were not the ultimate will of God. That was not the will of God. They could not bring in or usher in the will of God. They could only point to the will of God. They could only point to the need of a better covenant. And they could only remind men of their sins and need of a better covenant. They were the markers, the indicators, the directional signs. You need a mediator. You need a better priest. You need a better sacrifice. You need a better law. You need something better. But Jesus came to inaugurate, to bring in the will of God. Hebrews 10 verses 5 through 10. The author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 40 verses 6 through 8 to show how the sacrifices and offerings were not the will of God. They were not the end objective. They were not the end desire. They were not the goal. God's will for you is not the law, not the sacrifices, not the rituals. That's not the methods. That's not God's will. And this is what God said. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. This is God's will. God's will is that Jesus would pay the penalty for your sin. But that's not the end. That's only the beginning. That's only what was necessary that you might enter into the good will of God. You see, but some of us are standing outside on the other side of the cross, just looking at it going, it's painful, it's terrible. 
Is that what you have for me? No. That's the way in through Jesus to all I have for you. Jesus is not on the cross. He is on the right hand of God, the Father. He was raised for your justification that you might know, that you might know, that you might know that your sins are forgiven, that you are covered, that you might enter into the reconciliation, that you might be called a daughter of God, that you might realize every day just how good the will of the Lord is. God's will is not seen in the law. You cannot look at the law and go, oh, wow, that's, that's great. No. You cannot look at the sacrifices and go, okay, God's will is good. Nope. Can't look at the priestly duties or the regulations. Can't look at that and say, oh, God's will is good. No. You have to look beyond that. God's will is to take away the first covenant and establish the everlasting covenant. Isaiah 61 verse 8 says this, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth, and I will make with them an everlasting covenant. He said that when the first covenant was still operational. He said, I don't like this. This is not my will. I'm going to establish an everlasting covenant in truth. God's intention, his will, was a new covenant. And by this new covenant, he wanted to bring these good things. One, the sanctity of believers through the body of Christ once and for all. He wanted to consecrate everyone who believes to make us his own, to consecrate us for his good purposes, to set us apart, to make us unique and different and special for his purposes. He selected us and set us apart to bless us by God's good will. He wanted to take away sins. Verse 11, by God's good will, verse 13, he's bringing all the enemies, all the enemies under the authority of Jesus Christ, the enemy of death, the enemy of sin, the enemy of sickness, the enemy of Satan, the enemy of this world, the media, all that. He's, he's letting them wear themselves out because they're already defeated. And he is waiting to bring all of these under the authority of Jesus. And they are in the process right now of being brought under the footstool of Jesus right now. All these things are wearing themselves out. What are we seeing in the world right now? We are seeing men coming to the end of themselves. We are seeing this worldly system come to the end of itself. We are seeing sin coming to the end of itself, death coming to the end of itself. They are coming to the end because they are a defeated foe. And slowly but surely, but most certainly, they are all coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. This is a way I've begun to pray. 
I have begun to pray saying, Lord, I bring this person, I bring this situation under the authority of Jesus Christ. I put that under the feet of Jesus Christ. I bring it right there under the authority of the cross because the cross says this is already defeated. The cross says this is already over with. God's will is to perfect forever all those who are being sanctified, all those who are being set apart for salvation. God is now perfecting. God's objective for mankind is to reconcile creation back to himself, to do away with sin and perfect us so that he might have fellowship with us and bless his whole creation. As believers, we need to see God's ultimate purpose and that it brings the good desires of our God. It brings us Jesus and the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and brought into a loving relationship with God. This is God's will for us and it is good. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll conclude our look at the goodness of God's will as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.